You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, yesterday, it was one of those sort of mini eruptions, and I have to use my volcanology, my limited volcanology knowledge to say that a volcano erupts uh, two or three times before the big eruption. I think we've started to erupt five or six times on the US stock market, and then it calms down again. Last night was I had a bit of a different feel about it, but of course, today, it has bounced back. We get used to these things. Yeah, look, I mean, we are unfortunately going to sit in the very similar circumstances until we get a definitive, or maybe we'll never get a definitive, maybe that's the wrong word, until we get some sort of answer on these trade wars. Now, what's happened literally today was that China has said, look, let's do a little, and we'll just issue a mini-statement, and please delay these new tariffs that were going to come in on the 15th of October, and I think sometime in November or December, just before the Christmas holidays in America, you just delay the implementation of those. We'll give a little mini statement now saying that, you know, the talk's still on, we're still, you know, going to resolve this, and then we tackle it next year. So that's what China's put out now. Mm. And then, of course, the Federal Reserve, after a month ago, sort of hinting that, you know, if quantitative easing is necessary, we will do it, made another statement today saying that they're going to do something. They're not going to call it quantitative easing. They say it's not QE, but in effect it is QE. It's a, a QE light or whatever to somehow provide more liquidity because there's a dollar shortage in the market. In other words, they're going to expand their balance sheet, even if it is to a fairly limited degree. There's some sort of quantitative easing coming out. And, of course, that's helped the RAND a little bit today. And it certainly helped um, overseas markets. But our market's down because now SPAS is down. Yeah, so our market is down. Essentially. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately the ball and chain that we have. It's one particular yes. stock or one or two or maybe even three particular stocks that influence our market. Let's have a look at the Stock Exchange News Service announcements today. At 1610, Capitec Bank Holdings Limited, acquisition of Mercantile Bank Holdings Limited and its subsidiaries, uh, Capitec down, down half a percent. Is this a good acquisition? Has it been a good acquisition? Was it a good idea in the first place? Look, Mercantile's been around a very, very long time. And, of course, it was listed. Then the Portuguese, their parent bank overseas, had problems. They had problems, yeah. I think it will help Cap. It will help Capitec to get a little toe in in the business market. But, but Mercantile's smaller. I mean, yes. it's really small. But at least it is a business-orientated bank, and it does have... Business customers. It's got private customers as well, but Capitec doesn't need any help getting private. It's an SME bank. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's. It, I've always thought of it as a small yeah. and medium enterprise yeah. uh, bank, and it lends to people because it's entrepreneurial in spirit. Am I yes. wrong? No, you're quite right there. But, I mean, it, it is genuinely a small bank. You know, 20 years ago, they had big offices in the center of Joburg. I remember. Um, so I don't think it's grown much, to be honest, over the last while. And, of course, the overseas bank, I forget its name now, had huge liquidity issues as well. So they've had a, 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 a tough time, you know, certainly what I can remember over the last 20-odd years. 
but they've been around a very, very long time. So what's the motivation from Capitec's point of view? Is it the distribution? Is it uh, trying to diversify its income because it's saying to itself, we can't keep on getting 120 to 150 to 200,000 new customers on the retail side in South Africa. So let's try and do something different. Let's be an SME bank and offer the businessman, the small businessman and small businesswoman with their aspirations. Is that their motivation, do you think? Yes, I'm, I'm sure. That, I'm sure that you've summarised it extremely well there, because they haven't really penetrated the business market, and I mean they they've been a phenomenal success, as you all know. But is a limit to how much they can grow. If every year to grow by the same amount is quite a task, because the base that you're measuring it off is increasing all the time, and of course they've really gobbled up the share of the market that they're focusing on. And they're really targeting um, higher income individuals and trying to break into the more traditional banks' markets. And I think this is part of it to go with the, the business bank or the SME bank. Yeah, not much else on the Stock Exchange News Service today. So no. let's, have, let's have a look at um, the, the market itself. The market, uh, I don't know, the market, uh, the all shares down around about 0.4%. Uh, mm. It's one of those... Yeah, it's, only, it's only up about 6% for the year now, or 5% for the year, and it's certainly touched the 60,000 twice, eh? Mm. But it's pulled back. Obviously, domestic conditions don't help, but the two big pullbacks from that 60,000 was all Donald Trump and trade wars. And, yeah. and, and we're still in that position at the moment. Isn't it quite boring, though? Isn't it? How many years is it now that we've been subjected to one tweet one day, one pronunciation from the Chinese the next day? Is it? Is it been? Is it? Is it been nearly two years, or is it more than two yeah, years? Yeah, two years. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's a president president election next year, so it's been three years. But the trade wars really only got going, call it about a year ago, when he imposed those sanctions. Yes, we've got trade wars and Brexit all pushing us and pulling us around. And in fact, when the S&P was flat this morning, suddenly the, I think the Times newspaper in the United Kingdom came out with a statement that said that e, the EU might be willing to uh, soften its stance on Brexit and Boris Johnson's plans. And then the S&P started to take off combined with the Chinese statements that you mentioned earlier mm. on. But it seems to me, Wayne, that because of the world in which we live, the world that we inhabit, that um, social media and politicians are starting to become more and more of an influence than, for example, corporate earnings. Look, poli politics has always had an influence on markets, obviously. But normally political events, unless they become economic events, the market might react in the very short term on it. But over time, Unless it's an economic event, the market ignores it. Now, unfortunately, trade wars and Brexit are economic events and not just political events. Yes. So in other words, I mean, unless it's a world war, the, the, the market almost ignores wars and skirmishes and diplomatic tiffs and coup d'etats in, in, in many, many countries, as long as it doesn't have an effect on the global economy. But, you know, obviously, Brexit to a lesser extent, but trade wars to a massive extent. Is it's actually an economic event. It's not even a political event. So that's why the market's been up and down on a tweet and all of this. Of course, I mean, everything will evolve over time. You know, I'm pretty sure politicians going forward from any party 
are going to almost have a committee in charge of their tweets and what goes out. And you won't just be able to sit in bed at night um, and tweet something that goes to 20 or 80 million users. I don't know how many Donald Trump has. I think he's got 80 million followers or 20. No, no, it's only, six, it's only 60, which is half of what Barack Obama has, which annoys him intensely, I know. Yeah, but look, I mean, obviously, and we all know that tweets can get you into huge trouble. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that the party machine will eventually take over the communication by politicians um, uh, at some stage into the future on social media because they just find it very difficult to control the, 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 the fallout that could possibly arise from, you know, tweets late at night. Well, what are you seeing in the local market at the moment? We had the BCI, the SACI, the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry Business Confidence Index coming uh, out today, and it bounced back, albeit off a low base. Um, so that's one slight piece of good news. And then I saw the uh, transactional index. Uh, I spoke to Mike Schussler, uh, a, um, an economist that you probably know quite well, and yes. he was talking about the number of transactions falling quite sharply. Um, and that is a measure, of, I suppose, of what we do every single day. You go out and you transact yeah. because you've got money and you want to buy stuff. And the transactional index was, was down. So a mixed bag today. And the, yeah. the JSC was also a mixed bag. Yeah, look, 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 the transactional index, that's a volatile number. So, you know, rather, uh, don't read too much into that. The confidence index is bouncing off a very low base. But, you know, at least now, Putting trade wars aside, we seem to be a little bit more stable economically. Yes. I mean, the RAND's been a little bit volatile, but it hasn't gone crazy. You know, Eskom at least given us power, and we hope that that lasts. You just don't know. Um, and the economy seems to be doing a little bit better, and it seems to be stabilizing. So we're certainly not worse off than what we were, you know, two or three months ago. And but of course we've got to resolve trade wars. We've got to resolve Eskom. Yes, we've got to see what the finance minister says in the mini budget. So this is going to be an important month because we've got the Eskom statement coming out before the end of the month. It might even be next week. I can't quite remember. Yeah. And then of course we've got the mini budget at at the end of the month. And there seems to be, although you never know because there's politicians talking. Mm. There seems to be a more of a building of consensus around the finance, the, the finance minister's uh, economic policy statement that he put out a little while back. Although I have heard stories that <clears throat> formally the ANC will adopt something like that, but the truly contentious ones, and the truly contentious is essentially boils down to privatization, which at the end of the day, also just boils down to job losses. That that will be put, it will be adopted, but it won't be, there won't be too much action on that front. You know, that that's a story I've heard. But if it's adopted and we see action on other fronts, you know, November might be a very different mood in South Africa. Now, I went to an Eskom presentation yesterday. Yes. And, uh, not by Eskom, by, by, by stockbrokers. And I've got the little handout, and I'll actually send some tweets tomorrow or sometime on it. But it's very interesting. According to these numbers, and of course, you know, any projection into the future is subject to many, many qualifications and many, many assumptions that you use. But according to their numbers, 
if Eskom had to lose 150 billion rands worth of debt, they will become self-sufficient in about a year or two's time, i.e. they will be able to meet all of their obligations from their own cash flows. Mm. And then it's also the story that if they had to get a compound, uh, I think it was 12% increase in the electricity price for the next three years, that will also enable them to meet their obligations. So at least this this uh, study I saw gives a quantification as to what is needed to sort ESKIM out. And I must say the 150 billion, I always thought it was around 200 billion. So it was quite, it's, I suppose it's reasonably good news to know it's not 200 billion, that it is 150 billion. But I mean, of course, 150 billion is a massive amount of money. And of course, it's even a bigger amount of money when you haven't got it. Yeah, it can be 500 billion. If you haven't got 150 yeah, billion, got it. then it doesn't matter. And you can just, any number. Mm. I mean, at some stage, I remember someone saying to me, um, Lindsay, if you can have a debt, have a really big debt. You can have a 100,000 rand debt, or you can have a 10 million debt. It, it, when it's 100,000 rand, it's your problem. When it's 100 million rand, it's the bank's problem. Thanks. So rather have a really big problem. Yeah. Eskom's got a really big problem, as yeah. we know. A really, really big one. But you know, Remember what the uh, what 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 uh, Minister Godan said is that we'll be okay through winter with load shedding, yes. but from August or September onwards, it's going to be very very tight. So we we could still get load shedding, but it doesn't look as though we hope that it doesn't. That it's not going to be Schedule Four. You know, Schedule One, I think by and large the economy can cope with that. We're used to it. You've got contingency plans in place. Now I saw the management of Northern Platinum the other day as well. And they said, listen, if you get if you get Schedule 4, we just cannot operate. I mean, they've been, you know, obviously given, this, given the situation in South Africa, they've become a lot more energy efficient, put many, many contingencies, plans in place to mitigate Stage 1 and Stage 2 load shedding. But Stage 4, they say they just cannot operate. And the mere, even the threat of that, even the threat of, of, of stage three and stage four load shedding forces them not to operate because they say there's no ways they're sending people down a mine when they might not be able to get them out again because it's it's, it's schedule four load shedding. So, mm. so if we do get load shedding, as long as it's schedule one, level one, we'll be okay. You know, that the, the economy will survive. So, you know, we all hope that we don't get what we got in the first quarter. Uh, just to end this conversation, we're not going to talk about specific stocks or the JSE Securities Exchange or the S&P 500 or whatever it is. And I was talking about Mike Schussler, to whom I spoke earlier on. And he's, um, he sent me something earlier today, and it says, World Trade Monitor, trade volume change on year ago. And I can't quite work out what the measure is, but all I can tell you is that uh, mid-2017, it was the the measure on the right hand side of the graph was five and a half. It is now minus 0.9. It has fallen off a cliff. Now, to me, yes. if I think if you could be the CEO of DHL or any other logistics company and they give you their numbers every single month, you'll know exactly where the stock market is going to be in six months, two years' time. Because world trade tells you how prosperous people are because they're buying things, mm. moving things, shifting things, delivering things. Now, this thing has fallen okay. precipitously since yeah. mid 
2017. It's fallen off yeah. a cliff, Wayne. This is really bad news. Yeah, I'm looking at this graph and it looks yeah, scary. It is. And that's a combination of two things. The, the, and I'm not too sure which one's the most important. But the world's economic growth rate has been slowing for about three years. So the world is still growing, but it's growing at a slower pace. And obviously that will have a negative effect on volumes. Mm. But then obviously trade wars is the real is, is the big one. Certainly in the last year or so, the big fall in the last year or so is is virtually all uh, trade wars and the tariffs that uh, President Trump and that China have imposed in retaliation. Mm. Yeah. And there's lots of stories, even though I mean maybe I maybe my personality doesn't allow me to forecast disaster. <laughs> but there's lots of stories going around that, you know, a recession is overdue. And just on the face of it, a world recession actually is overdue. You know, it's been a long time. It's 2008, 10 years ago. Normally, you don't expand uh, for 10 years in, 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 in a row without sort of some chance of a recession happening. But there's lots of very respected market commentators and economists who say, I mean, not just South Africa, but globally, you say that you know a, a recession is overdue and it's on its way, and it's trade wars and you know um, global deflation and people on spending and all of these things. Because when you look at Europe, I mean Europe's done nothing for ten years. They've been you know on the brink of recession for a very long time. The U.S. has been very strong, but that was on the back of exceptionally low interest rates and quantitative easing. So I don't think a recession's on its way, but global growth is definitively slowing down. Yes, which I suppose, given what we've been used to for the last 10 and a half years since March 2009, is if it slows down, it's almost like a recession because we've been used to so much yeah. asset class expansion and economic expansion. Wayne, we'll have to leave yeah. it there. Thanks so and much for your time this evening. As always on a Wednesday, that's Wayne yeah. McCurry, who is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.